Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. I know that this past Sunday night you took a brief look at Matthew chapter 5 about the light of the world, but I want you to look back at that again with me tonight for just a few minutes from maybe a different vantage point. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13, if you look there with me, the Bible talks about the fact that we are the salt of the earth. And Jesus Christ gave this, this analogy, or the salt of the earth, the salt that lost a savor, wherewith shall it be salted, it's thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out, to be trodden under foot of men. And then he moves on from that, he says, in this great sermon on the mount, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And when I, I read those words, I can remember when I first accepted Jesus Christ. I remember my dad called me one day and he said, son, he said, are you reading the Bible? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm reading a little bit here and a little bit everywhere. I'm just kind of reading, you know, just, just different things. And he said, son, he said, you got to stop that and get serious about your Bible reading. And he said, you need to read systematically. You need to read through the word of God. And I'm glad my dad encouraged me. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. Blessed is a man that walketh not on the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So God's word is so incredibly important. And when you, you read these words that Jesus spoke, we, we clearly understand no one ever spoke like he spoke. His words are and they were the words of life. And in Matthew 5.13, Jesus Christ told us that we as Christians were the salt of the earth. And here in Matthew 5.14-16, as we've heard, he said we are light and he calls us to be light. Think about this, salt is hidden, light is obvious. Salt works secretly, light works openly. Salt works from within. Light works from without. And I read that and began to ask myself a couple of questions about, well, what is all this about light? What is it that, that Christ was trying to teach us? What was the point that our Lord was making? Now remember, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 states that God is light. John 8, 12 and John 9, 5, Jesus said that he is the light of the world. And so then we come here to Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus says, ye, you, you and me, we as Christians are the light of the world. What a powerful statement. What a thought-provoking statement. You, me, we are the light of the world. So what does that mean? God is light. Jesus Christ is light. The believer in Jesus Christ is said to be the light of the world. The point is very simple. 
I want you to get this and think about this with me tonight. Whatever light is and whatever light does, the believer is to be and the believer is to do. Whatever light is, whatever light does, the believer, those of us that, that know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, is to be and the believer is to do. So when we look at the Word of God, we find four truths that are said about the believer as the light of the world. Number one, notice with, notice with me the Christian's character. Uh, Matthew 5, 14, ye are the light of the world. The character of the Christian is light. Jesus said he was the light of the world. And here in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus said the disciple is to be like him. The disciple is to be the light of the world. The follower of Jesus Christ is to be light. You say, well, well, why light? Light is clear and light is pure. In other words, light is good. Light is right. Light is true. Ephesians 5, 8, 9. You are sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Christians should purpose to live good, right, and true. But light penetrates. By its very nature, light, it cuts through and eliminates the darkness. You enter a room at night, and what's the first thing we do? We, we fumble around and attempt to find the light switch. And the, well, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. What does light do? Light enlightens. It enlarges a person's vision. It, it enlarges our knowledge of an area. Light changes our perspective on everything. John 12, 35. Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. What does light do? Light reveals. Light opens up the reality or truth of an area. It opens up a whole new world. You, you might think you see something one way, but light changes everything. Jesus changes everything, doesn't he? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 12, 36. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of light. What does light do? Light guides Light directs us in the way that we should go. You say, well, I don't know which way to go. Well, it's very simple. Follow the light. John 12, 46. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. But what does light do? Light strips away the darkness. We live in an incredibly spiritually dark world, don't we? A world that desperately needs light. John 3, 19 and 20. This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. What does light do? Light eliminates the chaos. Philippians 2, 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. What, what does light do? Light differentiates between the right way and the wrong way. John 8, 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What does light do? Light warns. It alerts us of the dangers ahead. Ephesians 5, 11 to 14, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Whatsoever doth make manifest is light. What does light do? It protects. 
It keeps a person from the dangers of darkness, from stumbling, from falling, from injuring himself. Romans 13, 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast out the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. And Jesus Christ said this. He said, look, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world, John 9, 5, but Jesus Christ is no longer bodily in our world. The light today is in the lives of believers. Believers in Jesus Christ are reflectors of Jesus Christ. I clearly made a mess out of my life before I came to Jesus Christ. I was a train wreck. I was a disaster. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I hated who I was. I hated what I was becoming. And as I look at my life now, anything good that comes out of my life, it's because of Jesus Christ. And we need to reflect him. Ephesians 5, 8, but you are sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The character of light is pure. The believers to walk in that light, the believers to walk the pathway of purity. Ephesians 5, 8, but you are sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Romans 13, 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Philippians 2, 15, they may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's very simple. Light is unashamedly light. Light is what light is. Light is light. There was an African pastor from Zimbabwe that was martyred for his Christian faith. They looked through his papers, and among his papers, you may have heard his testimony when he said, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I will not look back. I will not let up. I will not slow down. I will not back away. I will not be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done. I'm finished with low living, with sight walking, with small planning, with smooth knees, with colorless dreams, with tame visions, with mundane talking, with cheap living, and with dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence. I no longer need prosperity. I no longer need position or promotions, plaudits or popularity. I do not have to be right. I don't have to be first. I don't have to be tops. I don't have to be recognized. I don't have to be praised. I don't have to be rewarded. I live by faith. I lean on his presence. I walk by patience. I lift by prayer. I labor by the Holy Spirit's power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road may be narrow. My way may be rough. My companions few. But my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought. I will not be compromised. I will not be detoured. I will not be lured away. I will not be turned back. I will not be deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy. I will not ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up. I will not shut up. I will not let up until I've stayed up, stored up, 
prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must give until I drop, preach until I'll know, and work until he comes. And I love this statement. And when he does come for his own, he'll have no problems recognizing me because my colors will be clear. Light. We are to unashamedly reflect the light of Jesus Christ. But notice the second truth here. Notice the Christian's place. Jesus Christ said, you are the light. But notice what he said. He said, of the world. We are to minister to the world. You say, why the world? That's where God's placed us. Why the world? Because the world is stumbling. The world is groping. The world is falling. The world is unseen. The world is unaware. The world is in chaos. The world's in darkness. The world's in, in trouble. This world is horribly lost. And our world needs light. And whatever it is God has placed you, whatever position God has given you, God says, I want you to let your light shine. God's word says, please understand what it says. It says, ye are the light. The world has no other light. We're it. You are the light. You are incredibly, unfathomably important to the cause of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the light needs to be placed where its influence can be best used and most greatly felt. And God has placed you where it can be used, where your influence can be felt. God has placed you here in Newport Beach. We ought to make a difference for Christ here. A difference for Christ in Southern California. A difference for Christ in California. A difference for Christ. Illuminate the United States. Illuminate the world. Acts 13, 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Think about this. Why did David even go down to the valley to Mount Goliath? It wasn't that his family be tax-free. It wasn't the king's daughter. It was that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Your testimony for Jesus Christ is so incredibly important. But notice the Christian's witness in verses 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give a light to all that are in the house. Two things just said about the city here. The city sits on a hill. The city cannot be hid. Two things just said about the candle here. The candles be put on a candlestick and the candle gives light to all that are in the house. And I believe it's absolutely imperative to note that the Christian's light's in the world, the Christian light's on a hill, the Christian light's in the house, and the Christians shine as lights in the world. The Christians are to be like cities. The Christians are to be like candles sitting in a dark world. Now, please think about this tonight. Light has different strengths. Light can be strong. Light can be weak. Light can be bright. Light can be dim. Light can provide so little light that a person would stumble and fall. And light can guide a person safely along their way. Uh, some places in this world are brightly lit. Some are dimly lit. Some cities have bright lights. Some cities have few bright lights. Some homes have strong lights. And some homes have weak lights. And Christian, we're either a strong light or a weak light. My wife's from North Carolina. And one of the things that we have done over the years in North Carolina is they live near the coast of North Carolina is at night we'll go out when the moon's out and it's dark and we'll go crabbing. 
Now, when I say crabbing, these are not edible crabs. We'll have a picture here. These are what they call ghost crabs. And so what we do is we go out there at night and we, we get a flashlight. And the key is this. My job, I found, is to, to get the flashlight and hold the flashlight. You find these little guys and you hold the flashlight on there. And then the rest of the team, the family, we have a bucket or two. And we'll have these nets and we'll hold that light on that crab until the people come with the nets. They, they put the net over the crab, they scoop it under, get the crab, and put it in the bucket. We'll work our way along the beach. We'll get 10, 15, 20 of these crabs until we get a bucket full of these crabs, and then we let them go. And I learned really quickly the key is you've got to have a good flashlight. And so I can get this little flashlight right here, and I can take this little flashlight out there to go find those crabs, and I'm going to tell you something. This flashlight right here would be absolutely worthless. I've got to find something when I go out there to find those crabs where I can put that beam on that crab and I can follow that crab until that person can catch that crab. The light has to be brighter than this. This is just a, a cheap little flashlight with a, just a, almost an imperceptible light. So I learned that when I go out there, that's not going to get the job done. I'm going to go with something that's a little bit hardier to get a light out there where I can see those crabs. And I take that light out there, and my job is I'm, I've got to light the way. So I'm walking out there at night, and you know what? We could have 20 of these, we could have 30 of these, but to be honest with you, we just put them aside because they're absolutely worth nothing when you go crabbing. You've got to have one of these. A light that gets the job done. A light that, that cuts through the darkness. A light that enables you to see where you're going. A, a light that enables you to find what you're looking for. And I think the question we need to ask ourselves is this. What kind of light are we? Churches are filled with lights like this. But lights like this don't make a difference. What our churches need are lights like these. One of the things that I want to do with all my heart is be a great witness for Jesus Christ. I cannot be the most talented. I cannot be the most gifted. I cannot be the most loquacious speaker. I, I can't do those things. But with God's help, I want to be the best Christian I can be with, have a walk with the Lord. I want to be the best husband and father and grandfather I can be. And I want to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Three years ago, I was out working in front of my house. I looked across the street. My neighbor was out sitting on a chair. My neighbor had lived there for about 10 years. And to be honest with you, I almost never ran into him. He worked, he worked midnights, and so he slept during the day. I just almost never saw him. But I was out there that day, and I saw my neighbor across the street, and God just spoke to my heart and said, Tim, just you get over there right now and talk to him about the Lord. I walked across the street and I said, Randy, I said, I need to talk to you for a minute. I said, Randy, could I ask you today, if you died today, do you know for certain you'd go to heaven? And Randy looked at me and said words that I'll never forget as long as I live. He looked at me and he said, Tim, after all this time, after all this time, and I'll tell you, my heart dropped. 
And I said, yes. And I said, I'm so sorry, but I'd love to take the word of God and show you. And Randy came to my house and at my dinner at my kitchen table, he accepted Christ. His wife, she came over, she accepted Christ. A few days later, his daughter came over and she accepted Christ. But I couldn't help but hear those words echoing through my heart and mind after all this time. So for 10 years, that's what I did. But that's not what Randy needed. Randy needed this. And I believe with all my heart, I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. I believe 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we desired of him. So can I tell you what I pray? God, please give me the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus Christ. Sunday, after the service, I was standing at the back door greeting people, and a lady came to me, and she said, you know, I don't, I don't know what I believe. This was just two days ago, and I said, could I take the Bible and show you in just a few minutes how you can put these pieces of the puzzle together? Her name is Julie. She said, yeah, she came to see me today, this morning, 11 o'clock in the morning. At 11.30 this morning, she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. She's going out of town on Saturday, and so I said to her, I said, you know what? You know, your next step is you need to be baptized. I explained her baptism. She said, I'll be there tomorrow night. I'm getting baptized tomorrow night at church. I thought, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be a dime a dozen Christian. I mean, I can't do a lot. I don't, I don't have the, the talent and ability to do what so many people can do. But with God's help, I want to be a bright light. So we have to ask ourselves a question. What kind of Christian are we? Bright or dim? Bold or weak? And why is this so important? Well, look back at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. The Bible tells us here, our fourth truth. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You can do one of two things today. We can let our light shine like Jesus commanded us to let our light shine, or we can refuse to let our light shine. We can dim our light. We can shade our light. We can turn our light away. We can direct the beam of our light in a different direction. But here's the truth. Jesus Christ wants us to let our lights shine. And as Christians, we are to let our light shine for a purpose, and the purpose is to show forth good works that can be seen before this world. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, they be rich in good works. Titus 2, 7, and all things showing themselves a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing uncorrupted gravity, sincerity. Titus 3, 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that I affirm constantly, that they which believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. J. 
James 2.17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. 1 Peter 2.12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify your Father which is in heaven. Believers are to let our light shine so that we can stir people to glorify God. That's what it is. When I was a little boy, every night after dinner, we would have family devotion time. Every night after dinner, my dad would pull out the Bible and teach us the word of God. And almost every night after dinner, he would go down the list of us kids. There were seven kids in my family. And he would ask us the same question. He would start with Mark and then go to John. Then I was number three. He would look at me and he'd say, son, what is the chief end of man? And I had to answer back and say, Dad, and I said it thousands of times, said, Dad, the chief and the man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I remember the day my dad looked at me and he said, Son, do you know what your name means? And I was thinking, okay, great athlete, you know, super intelligent. Dad, what, is, what does Timothy mean? He said it means to honor God. And he said, son, let me ask you a question. How are you doing with that? Big light or small light? Bright light, dim light? Bold light or ashamed light? The glory of God. To make Jesus look good. We live in a world of incredible darkness and we are to live for God like God wants us to live for him. Let us never forget the great commandment is that we are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. How are we doing with that? Instead of Francis Fenelon, a Frenchman, has said that his communion with God was such that his face shined with divine radiance. A religious skeptic who was compelled to spend the night in an inn with Fenelon hurried away the next morning saying, if I spend another night with that man, I will be a Christian in spite of myself. Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is what Jesus Christ demands of us. During the days of the mighty Roman Empire, there was an emperor named Nero whose passion was the annihilation of Christians. There was during these days a band of soldiers known as the emperor's wrestlers. These men were picked from the best and bravest of the land. They were recruited from the great athletes and the warriors of the Roman amphitheater. In the great amphitheater, these mighty men were able to defeat every single challenger. Before each contest, they would stand up before the emperor and they would sound out the cry, we the wrestlers wrestling for thee, O emperor, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. When the great Roman army was sent to fight in faraway Gaul, no soldiers were braver or more loyal than the band of soldiers, wrestlers, led by their centurion Vespasian. But news reached Nero that many of these chosen wrestlers had accepted the Christian faith. 
they become bold followers of Jesus Christ. To be a Christian meant death. Even to those who served Nero best. Therefore the decree was straightway dispatched to the centurion Vespasian. If there be any among the soldiers who cling to their faith in Christ, they must die. The decree was received in the dead of winter. The soldiers were camped on the shore of a frozen inland lake. The winter had been difficult, but the many hardships that they endured together had only served to unite them more closely. It was with sinking heart that Vespasian, the centurion, read the emperor's message. Vespasian called these soldiers together. And with a sinking heart, he delivered the emperor's message. And he, he said, are there any among you who cling to their faith of the Christian? If so, let him step forward. Immediately, all 40 wrestlers stepped forward. Respectfully saluted. And stood at attention. Vespasian was shocked. He had not expected so many. He said, the decree has come from your emperor. That any who cling to their faith in Jesus Christ must die. Not one of them moved. Vespasian said, I will give you until sundown for your answer. Sundown came. The question was against asked. Are there any among you who claim the faith of a Christian? If so, let him step forward. Again, all 40 wrestlers stepped forward, stood at attention, and saluted. Vespasian pleaded with them. Long and earnestly pleaded with them. He said, please. But he did not prevail upon a single one of those men. Finally, he said, the decree of your emperor must be obeyed. But he said, but I am not willing that your blood be upon me or your comrades. I'm going to order you that you march out in the middle of that lake of ice. I'm going to leave you there to the mercy of the elements. But he said, we'll have a fire waiting here for any of you who will renounce their faith in Christ. The 40 wrestlers were stripped of their clothing and armor. Without a word, they turned and fell into four columns of ten, marched toward the lake of ice. But as they marched, they began to break into the old chorus of the arena. They said, 40 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory. And from thee, the victor's crown. Through the long hours of the night, Vespasian the Stenturian stood by his fire and waited all through those long hours of the night. Came to him fainter and fainter the wrestler's song. Forty wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. As the morning drew near, one man overcome by exposure began to creep quietly toward the fire. In the extremity of his suffering, he had renounced the Lord. But faintly, and yet very clearly through the darkness, again came the song, 39 wrestlers, wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory, and from thee the victor's crown. Without a word, off went Vespasian's helmet, down went his shield, down went his armor. He sprang upon the ice shouting, I too want to follow Jesus. And again through the darkness, you could hear that resounding cry. Forty wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. On the dark night, that cold night, that, that bitter night, that miserable night, 
was a bright light for Jesus Christ on that lake. It wasn't time for one of these. It was time for one of these. And what a difference. Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before the Father which is in heaven. And the spiritual darkness of our state, the question has to be asked who is willing to be a bright light for Jesus Christ? It's very simple. Know Christ and make Christ known. I want to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. And I want it to show. Like Spurgeon said, one day he said, when I face God, I want to look up at God and say, God, I love you. And hear God answer back, I know you do, Charles. What are we living for? To hear one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God, help us tonight to say, God, with your help, with your strength, with your enabling, I'm going to be a bright light. Not just to church, but home. Not just to home, but in the workplace. Not just in the workplace where we do our business. The question is very simple. When the world looks at me, do they see Jesus? May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.